Hey guys, this is all about testosterone for women for female hyposexual desire disorder or HSDD. Um, if you enjoy getting deep diving into n the nitty gritty of papers and articles and kind of the science, then this is totally going to be your jam. And if it's not, keep listening because I think there's lots of juicy tips in here of who's this for and who's it not for. And I still hope you get a lot of value out of it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Hi guys. Hi ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited. I was just thinking like my brain was stopping because I'm like, do I say ladies? No, because that's excluding the guys. But if I say, hey, guys, as a term for all people, well, that excludes the ladies. So I don't know. What do you want to be called? Casper, Casper followers? <laughs> Hello, all people. Thank you for listening to You Are Not Broken. There you go. I'll just have to be wildly generic so I don't insult anybody. So thank you so much. I'm incredibly excited to talk today about testosterone because there's so much myth and mystery about testosterone. And specifically, I'm going to talk about females and sexual health and testosterone. So we are going to break down the myths. We are going to talk about the new uh, consensus guidelines that just came out, which is super exciting that there's actually consensus guidelines on something that is not technically FDA approved but there's tons and tons of data on it. There's actually a equivalent Australian. So Australia is the only country in the world that has an approved testosterone formulation for women. America does not. Um, so I think there will be more and more interest in this as, as women get older and women start demanding equality as far as their sexual health. Um, Viagra has been around for over 20 years. Um, men get testosterone um, and testosterone has just never been considered to be, it's considered to be a manly hormone, right? Like men have testosterone and women have estrogen, but women actually have a lot of testosterone and they actually technically have more testosterone than estrogen in their systems. So there's a lot of myth about testosterone and what its role is in women. And certainly there's a lot less research in women than there is in men uh, on what testosterone does. And I always have to tell everybody, I think I, I forget to say this more than I should, but this is not individualized medical advice. I am not your doctor. So this is all just general accurate medical information given to you by an expert who sees women with sexual dysfunction every single day of her freaking career. Um, so I have lots of opinions and I have lots of knowledge and I'm sharing them with you because you guys should have it too. It shouldn't be, a, this shouldn't be a secret. Um, you should know a lot before you go find a doctor to talk to because it, it empowers you. So this is not individualized medical advice and I try to be as accurate as I can, but I'm, I'm only a human who's doing the best that she can. Um, but I hope you guys find me relatable and informative and leave your questions um, below or send them to me in a private message on my Facebook page at You Are Not Broken and we can continue this conversation. But I'm super excited to talk about testosterone today um, in regards to women, testosterone and the role of testosterone specifically in desire disorders or um, hypo, hypoactive sexual desire. Um, I know it's weird for people who aren't medical to have somebody actually quote or cite your research, which is what people should do, right? Because if you're claiming, if you have a medical claim, there's plenty of people on social media who 
claim medical facts but never back it up, right? So medical people are actually like, we want randomized control trials with placebos. We want meta-analysis. 13 societies have uh, endorsed this global consensus position, which is really awesome because it talks about using this testosterone hormone or medication that's currently off-label. The FDA does not have a approved testosterone formulation in women. Testosterone is an important female hormone. Healthy young women produce approximately 100 to 400 micrograms a day of testosterone, and that is three to four times the amount of estrogen that's produced by the ovaries. So breaking down the myth that testosterone is a male hormone. So women make on average about one-tenth the amount of testosterone that men make, but certainly it's not zero, and certainly it's actually more than estrogen. So after menopause, um, the, the ovaries make testosterone, and after menopause, the ovaries continue to make testosterone, but at a much lower level. And certainly with surgical menopause or ovary removals, that testosterone uh, that testosterone decrease happens immediately. Now, the um, adrenal glands also make a, a testosterone precursor. Um, so there is a little bit of production from the adrenal glands as well as the ovaries in the female. So the other thing that testosterone does, and this is important in male and female health, is there is a, um, a converter called aromatase, which converts testosterone to estrogen. And the, the other interesting thing is... Um, Adipose tissue, so fat, um, has a lot of aromatase in it. So you'll see the consequences of that in both male and female people. In people who have uh, obesity, they have a lot more higher estrogen to testosterone ratio. So we see that in men who are overweight, also in women who are overweight, higher estrogen status. That might be one reason. Uh, multifactorial, of course, but women who are overweight have a much higher risk of breast cancer. Um, and that might be one reason is they just have a lot higher circulating estrogens because their testosterone is being converted because of aromatase. So there's an interesting fact about obesity and, and how obesity is metabolically active, right? Fat's not just something that's heavy that's sitting around, but there, there's actually some physiologic function that, that can affect your or increase your risks to your overall health just by having uh, excess adipose tissue. So... Loss of testosterone is particularly profound after surgical and medical menopause and premature ovarian insufficiency where testosterone production decreases by more than 50%. So testosterone contributes to libido, sexual arousal, orgasm, and how it does this is, is it increases dopamine levels in the central nervous system. So previous podcasts, we've talked about the role of serotonin and dopamine as far as the anchor, uh, not the anchor, the accelerator and the brakes of sexual drive. So dopamine makes you seek out sex, be interested in sex. Uh, that's where the, the prescription medications for hypoactive sexual desire have their effects on dopamine in the brain. And that's how testosterone is helpful or pro-sexual um, by increasing the, the dopamine levels in the central nervous system. It also helps maintain normal metabolic function, muscle and bone strength, uh, urogenital health, mood, and cognitive function. So testosterone plays a, a significant role in just overall health. So testosterone deficiency can also contribute to a reduction in general quality of life, tiredness, depression, headaches, cognitive problems, osteoporosis, and decreased muscle mass. The medical term for that is sarcopenia. So after menopause, estrogen levels fall to undetectable levels, but there's always a little bit of testosterone left because the, the ovaries are actually continuing to, to produce some testosterone, which is super interesting, right? Like why is the body giving us still a little bit of testosterone uh, when it says that that estrogen is, they're just going to stop that part of the factory. 
So if you see women, you might see women that maybe have more acne or uh, increased facial hair after menopause, or they start getting that kind of you know male pattern baldness, which is a receding of the forehead hairline. And one theory behind that is that you, now you kind of have an, a testosterone overproduction in those women because they don't have the estrogen to balance that out. So you're starting to see more androgenic features in some postmenopausal women. Now that's variable, that's personal genetic. Certainly not every woman's gonna have that after menopause. But that's one theory of, of why some women start getting some male pattern baldness is, is kind of the testosterone um, imbalance with the significant lowering of estrogen. So there are no suitably licensed products available in, in America for testosterone. And there's a very few data on testosterone in premenopausal women. So the question is, uh, the future questions, because you always, you know, when you do research, you always think about what, what further research questions are you going to ask? So one of them that I have is what about perimenopausal women or what about premenopausal women that have really low testosterone levels because of years of birth control use or increase in their sex hormone binding globulin, which kind of hangs on to testosterone and doesn't make it available, um, which can happen after hormonal birth control use uh, in premenopausal women. So those are all future research. Right now, the, the new guidelines are for postmenopausal women only. The current available options are um, gels, creams. Um, there are no patches in America for testosterone for women. Um, there are pellets and injections. Okay, so the next topic of testosterone in postmenopausal women is how well does it work? So in clinical trials of women with hypoactive sexual desire disorder, approximately two-thirds of women respond positively to testosterone therapy compared to about one-third uh, of women responding using placebo. And this is an excellent time to talk about the role of placebo, both in medical studies and specifically in sexual health studies. So if you look at the Viagra studies, so if you, the Viagra studies that looked at does Viagra work better than placebo, you give people sugar pills and you call that, you know, study drug, and then you give people Viagra. And about uh, between 20 and 40% of guys who took a sugar pill reported improved erections, like mic, mic drop, right? 20 to 40% of men given a sugar pill and told that this is a study drug looking at erectile dysfunction, reported an improvement in erections. So what this shows is the largest sex organ uh, is the brain, and just the, the persuasion of the sugar pill and saying, this is gonna help my erections, helped erections, which, which is great. Uh, it's hard to have side effects from sugar pills, but in medicine, we don't give people placebos. It's considered unethical. But it's, I think it's really telling in sexual health research to say that a lot of people just got better because they believed they were going to function better. Like That's the power of the brain, which is just so mind-blowing and amazing. So it's not crazy that one-third of women had improved sexual desire because they were given a placebo and said, hey, this is a study drug to see if it improves your desire. So Super cool. Most studies, the placebo is not 0%. There's always some part of the brain. And that's why we do placebo-controlled trials, right? Is because some medication will have an improvement just because we think it's going to have an improvement. Certainly just giving somebody a sugar pill and suggesting that it's going to have an improvement shows that. So it's rare that you're going to see a placebo-controlled trial with 0% improvement with placebo. And the other reason why placebo-controlled trials is so important, because if the study drug equals the placebo in its improvement, well, then you know it's no, that medication's no better than a sugar pill. So it's not usually not going to get uh, 
FDA approved at that point. So what are the side effects or the adverse effects of testosterone? Not only do we want to know it works, but we want to know that it's not harmful. And a lot of this is seen in women who are on super therapeutic uh, doses of testosterone. So if you were to measure their levels and they're, they're really high or closer to male levels. And here's the deal. I'm not trying to, we're never trying to turn a woman into a man, um, as ridiculous and overly simplistic as that sounds. But we're just trying to get a woman back to her 18-year-old testosterone levels, or maybe not even 18-year-old because that was that was a sex drive that maybe a lot of us are happy we don't have anymore or a level of acne we're happy we don't have anymore. But point being, we're trying to just normalize back to where you were to basically rebalance your hormones. Uh, rebalancing is such a kind of sexy term used by usually non-doctor people. But I think a lot of people click with that of like, oh yeah, no, I'm just trying to get back to where I was when I was 28, not where my testosterone is when I'm 56. Uh, or 67. So we're, we're not trying to turn turn a, a woman into t- male testosterone levels. We're just trying to normalize her levels back to premenopausal uh, ovary production. So side effects of if you have too much testosterone uh, would be increased body hair at the site of application. That's why they usually recommend back of calf or thigh because women tend to shave those areas anyways if they were to notice that. Uh, Generalized increased hair production, which is pretty uncommon. Alopecia or male pattern hair loss, uncommon. Acne and greasy skin, uncommon. Deepening of voice and enlarged clitoris, rare. So I've seen this though. So I I see women with sexual dysfunction uh, every single day basically when I see women in clinic. But I had a woman, she came to me from the East Coast where she was seeing, I think it was a nurse practitioner who had her on three different creams for, she was postmenopausal. And I said, why are you on all of these creams? And she said, because I'm trying to rebalance. So there's that rebalancing word again. She had no real uh, specific indication to be on these medications. And I said, well, let's just start. And she was basically like greasing herself up with like three different creams twice a day each. And it was like, it was this huge production for her. And she's like, why am I taking all this? Do I need to be on this? So I said, well, let's just check your levels and see where you were. And she had a testosterone of 411, which is in the normal range for a male. And she actually, on exam, had a very large clitoris. So certainly if you push those testosterone levels um, much higher than normal, you can have an enlarged clitoris. So I have seen it. Um, I counseled her on backing off <laughs> of her testosterone because it, it it wasn't helping her. It was causing her some, some side effects. So... Um, you can check levels. You always want to know what you're on a medication for. Um, and then always follow up. You know, don't just stay on a medication. It's, uh, if it's causing side effects or if it's not doing what your goals are, go back to the person who prescribed it and have that conversation. So who who should testosterone be avoided in or used with caution? Certainly anybody who's pregnant or breastfeeding, uh, any active liver disease, history of hormone-sensitive breast cancer. Um, that said, some people who are well-informed and have intractable symptoms, they, they can be used um, if you have well-controlled treated breast cancer, but that's just a, that is a caution. Any competitive athlete should not be on any testosterone, um, because they're going to, that's going to be, um, possibly performance enhancing. 
and it could get you in trouble in the competitive world of sports. So you should not consider taking testosterone for hypoactive sexual desire for that. Um, or somebody, a woman who already has upper levels of testosterone naturally, uh, there's no reason to put her on testosterone. And then going into the myths and misperceptions, which is super interesting to talk to, uh, to think about. So the paper that's talking about myths and misperception, um, number one, it's a male hormone. Testosterone is actually the most abundant active sex steroid in women throughout their entire female lifespan. And we touched that on that briefly earlier. From a biologic perspective, women and men are genetically similar, and they have uh, b both of them have functional estrogen receptors and functional androgen receptors, and the androgen receptors actually on the X chromosome. So any myth of testosterone is not natural uh, is coming from somebody who doesn't know doesn't know the science. Number two, testosterone's only role in women is sex drive and libido, but there's certainly there are androgen receptors all over the body: blood vessels, GI tract, lung, brain, spinal cord, bladder, uterus, ovaries, endocrine glands, skin, bone, muscle, fat tissue. So there's androgen receptors everywhere, um, and Androgen deficiency can also contribute to anxiety, irritability, depression, lack of well-being, bone loss, muscle loss. But you, again, there is no FDA-approved indication for testosterone in women and this physician statements just specifically on hypoactive sexual desire disorder. We think there's probably benefits to testosterone in general, but that is beyond the scope of this art, this conversation, even though one of the myths is that testosterone is only good for sex drive. No, it's probably good for more than that. That's just not where the research is right now. Um, myth number three, testosterone masculinizes females. So again, going back, I think we already uh, demystified this. Unless you take it at very high doses, gender affirming doses, um, you're not going to get the, the male level hormone side effects. So myth number four, testosterone causes aggression. Well, we know that anabolic steroids can increase aggression and rage, but that doesn't usually occur with testosterone therapy. Certainly if you push, if you have a man on testosterone and you push him to super physiologic levels, that he will complain that either he's noticing it or his loved ones are noticing it. So super therapeutic testosterone can. Um, but there are some reports that subcutaneous testosterone therapy in women decrease aggression, irritability, and anxiety in over 90% of patients treated for symptoms of androgen de deficiency. So how, how cool is that? Um, again, not a lot of research on that. Um, and that paper, if you guys want to look into that specific paper, that's Glazer um, and York, Beneficial Effects of Testosterone Therapy in Women Measured by the Validated Menopause Rating Scale. That came out in 2011. We don't think testosterone causes aggression. They actually, there's some data that, that, that estrogen can cause aggression. Testosterone may increase the risk of breast cancer. Um, we don't think so. They, there's been a little bit of research that testosterone combined with an aromatase inhibitor has been shown to effectively treat androgen deficiency symptoms and breast cancer survivals. Again, investigational, but we don't think that it increases your risk of breast, can breast cancer. Um, and then the next myth is that the safety of testosterone use in women has not been established. There are years and years of data, um, and women have been, been receiving testosterone implants since 1938. Uh, according to this paper. So there's many, many years uh, in safety. But the FDA, so why going back to why is there no FDA-approved medication for women that's a testosterone product? The FDA requires, um, I'm going to blank, I want to say if it was Pfizer or Procter & Gamble, there was a big company looking at having a, tes a female testosterone product. And the FDA required five years of safety data as far as breast and cardiovascular health to the tune of $1 billion. Whereas they didn't, re they didn't require that 
uh, level of oversight for their male testosterone preparations. Um, but certainly any study that's going to cost $1 billion to even get FDA approved, think of the cost of what that prescription was going to be in order to pay back that study. So that was one of the reasons that a company didn't go ahead with an FDA testosterone approval is because the barriers to proving that it's safe was so big as far as study design goes. But we have decades and decades of safety data um, looking that testosterone is safe in, in women. So next next myth, testosterone causes hoarseness and voice changes. I think this goes back to the the testosterone is masculinizing myth. They they actually don't think that the hoarseness can be common in, in people in general. They say 6% of adult populations at any time have hoarseness uh, and can be more prevalent in women than men in in general, but it tends to be inflammatory changes. Um, and they don't, there's no evidence that testosterone itself causes horse, hoarseness. Another myth, testosterone causes hair loss. Um, there's actually lots of data that Hair loss is common with other medical conditions like uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, insulin resistance. They don't think testosterone in and of itself causes hair loss. Um, certainly your, your thyroid having a disease can cause hair loss. So there's lots of other reasons. But there is a fact that testosterone therapy can increase scalp hair growth in women. There's actually a study on that. So the next myth is testosterone has adverse effects on the heart. There's actually substantial evidence that testosterone is cardiac protective and that adequate levels decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease. So that is way beyond the scope of the consensus statement that's coming out that's pro-testosterone for hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Um, but there is some, some science that, that testosterone can be cardioprotective. Um, the next myth, testosterone can cause liver damage. Um, we don't think that it does. We actually thought it was just the the studies that were coming out with that was oral testosterone, but non-oral testosterone does not adversely affect the liver or increase clotting factors. So we beat down the myths of testosterone. We know that it's a normal female hormone. Um, and we we're talking about these new recommendations that are coming out endorsed by 11 international professional societies that is saying that testosterone, number one, is safe, and number two, it is effective, better than placebo. The studies they looked at, it was a meta-analysis of 36 trials involving over 8,400 women. This is specifically only for postmenopausal women. Uh, using it in perimenopausal and premenopausal women has not been adequately studied. Um, and the panel of experts who didn't receive any external funding for the report concluded that low-dose testosterone has a moderate effect translated to one additional satisfying sexual event per month on average, along with increases in sexual desire, arousal, orgasm, sexual responsiveness, and a reduction in women's distress from sexual dysfunction. So the hate, I've heard haters on this before because I think it's Addy, which is the a once-a-day oral medication for uh, female hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Again, it was similar to about one uh, improved uh, satisfying sexual response a month. And people were like, that's it? That's not worth it. But for these women who are significantly distressed, who have very little satisfying sexual experiences, an additional satisfying sexual experience a month is incredibly worth it um, for them. And, and way more than placebo. So they said, not only is my quality of life improved, I want to stay on this medication. Um, 
About 60% of women will have real improvement that'll make a difference to them. 20% won't change at all. And about 20% will get worse because low testosterone had nothing to do with their sexual desire or their sexual dysfunction in the first place. So that is why it's really important to reassess after a couple of months. You can check levels to make sure you're on a high enough dose uh, that you're not experiencing side effects and that it's actually working. And if it's not working, stop it and, and continue to explore the biopsychosocial reasons for low sexual desire. Um, other people that they didn't test this on as women with high risk cardiovascular disease. So they were excluded from these studies. Um, so caution in prescribing the medication to those women. Again, going back to testosterone and breast cancer. So although testosterone has not been associated with increased breast cancer risk, the authors do urge caution in prescribing the therapy to women with hormone sensitive breast cancer because... Again, going back to that aromatase, aromatase uh, in your body can convert testosterone to estrogen. And so it's completely unstudied um, and would, although just, I, you know, I want to say it's off-label, but all testosterone in America is off-label at this point. But so they caution it in um, women who have been treated for breast cancer, uh, especially estrogen positive um, breast cancer. So I hope that is super useful. Uh, the, the global consensus position statement specifically for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, specifically for postmenopausal women, specifically uh, non-compounded testosterone, because we don't always know what's in it. We want to get back to physiologic levels, not super therapeutic levels. If it doesn't work after three to six months, stop it. Um, not, and this is not for premenopausal breastfeeding pregnant women, um, or anybody with high-risk cardiovascular disease. So that's still a ton of women, you guys. Still a ton of women. So, and all the studies that they looked at, again, that meta-analysis, were blinded, placebo-controlled, randomized controlled trials of at least 12 re weeks duration, um, and, and those were what was put in their meta-analysis. So now we have level one, grade A recommendations that in doses that approximate physiologic testosterone concentrations, for, so basically, we're just trying to get you to premenopausal levels. Exerts a beneficial effect on sexual function, including uh, uh, up to one satisfying sexual event per month. Increases the subdomains of desire, arousal, orgasmic dysfunction, uh, pleasure, sexual responsiveness. Very cool. We've got lots of great data now. So feel free to look this up. It's kind of making all of the the internet news right now, which is great. And bring it into your doctor if you think this is it, but it should be part of a comprehensive program of overall hormones. Certainly some people think that if you're going to supplement with testosterone, uh, perhaps being on estrogen uh, and if you need it, progesterone postmenopausally is going to get you even a bigger boost in your sexual health than just doing testosterone alone. Um, so that's something to consider. And then testosterone specifically, even though, you know, in our myths part, we talked about how it is beneficial for bones, musculoskeletal, uh, anxiety, depression. There's, that's pretty untested at this point. And so the consensus statement says testosterone is just for hypoactive sexual desire disorders. So they don't have great data on orgasmic dysfunction, um, pain, uh, you know, anything like that. So and if it's not helping you by six months, treatment should be ceased. So I hope that that is super useful, lets people feel uh, a little more normal in thinking about the role of testosterone and sexual function and gives you some powerful tools. If you need to either, number one, talk to your patients about it, or number two, 
you are a patient going in to say, hey, I've done some research. I've heard that for postmenopausal women, systemic testosterone, um, usually in creams or gels at one-tenth the male uh, dose can be beneficial in increasing hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Super exciting, you guys. 2020 is the time for gender equality and sexual health, and we're starting to care about who these people with Viagra are sleeping with um, and people who aren't using Viagra are sleeping with because everybody's important. So I hope this was useful, a boatload of science coming at you pretty fast. So if you have any questions or comments, please leave them um, in whatever platform you want or follow me on Facebook at You Are Not Broken to learn more about it or to see me in video form. All right, my loves. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day.